This recording is from a class that Shakti Durga taught on bliss, truth, consciousness, and illusion, the permanent and the impermanent, and what our soul is seeking on its journey through incarnation. Hi everyone, it's Shakti Durga, and welcome to this episode of the Soul Talk podcast. Each episode is going to feature some of the highlights from live trainings, retreats, online classes, and presentations that I've done around the world. If you find value in it, please text the link to the podcast to a friend or share it with your networks. I look forward to connecting with you soon. Namaste. What is the Sanskrit word for bliss? I'm glad you all read the promo for the program. <laughs> Ananda. Ananda. So do you want to hear a secret about Ananda? Nanda means happiness and joy. Ananda means no happiness and joy. And Ananda means divine bliss and joy. Ananda. 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 So Ananda does not travel alone. Ananda travels with company. Ananda travels with two friends, Sat and Chit. So Sat is said to be truth. So if something is Satya, it's the truth. There's many different levels of understanding what Satya means. In the Vedanta system of philosophy, one of the great philosophical schools of India, sat or satya means that which is not maya. And maya, which is not travelling particularly with Satchitananda, but it's one of the ways we can understand what sat is, is by looking at what it's not and it isn't maya. So what's maya? What's maya? It's, It's, yeah, some say it's illusion. The sum total of the reality we experience is Maya. Everything that's not permanent is actually the definition of Maya. Everything that is not permanent. And then therefore the definition of Sat or truth is everything that's permanent. And that's as simple as it is. It's just that simple. If it's permanent, it's Sat. If it's impermanent, it's Maya. In this system, there's other ways of using those words. And so... Um, If we think about our bodies, are they sat or maya? They're maya. What about our thoughts? What about our emotions? What about this building? What about the grass here? What about the plants? What about the stars? Because they get born and then they die eventually, don't they? So what about the galaxy? The universe? So what's sat beyond, yes, God. Someone said God. God is sat. Satya. All the physical is maya. Everything that happens in your mind pretty much is maya in this system. So we're just going to play with this idea, okay? So what we're left with is the truth being that which is permanent and there's part of us that's permanent, which is? Yes, and even the word soul is a terribly confusing word 
because as I've referred to in the notes, and you can read them sometime that isn't now, that um, in your notes there's a section on what does soul mean in different traditions. And when we say soul, we're saying the vehicle that comes and goes and reincarnates. And as it reincarnates, it, it picks up a whole lot of experiences, a whole lot of debits and credits in its karmic grace bank account. It spends some credit and it creates some credit. Oh dear, I'm in debt again. Damn, got to come back to earth and pay off that debt. Come back to pay off that debt. Sometimes we make an even bigger debt. And sometimes in a fortunate life, we manage to pay off quite a lot of debts in that life. And we might even put some money in the bank karmically. And how do we do that? Give, forgive, and serve. So there's three absolutely trustworthy ways. When we serve, we put money in our grace bank account. When we forgive, we put money in the grace bank account. Changes everything. And of course, this is not a seminar on forgiveness. We could spend all weekend talking about just that. But we don't forgive so that someone else is vindicated. We forgive so that our heart becomes light as a feather, so that we don't have to carry that heaviness inside of us. We let them carry it if they want to, but we don't want to carry it anymore. And that's what forgiveness is for. It's it's very divine medicine. So that's the soul. It's the part that has the karmic comings and goings. It's where we rest between lives. And in the soul is the divine spark. But we would put that in another dimension. We'd say that's the divine part of self that shines through the soul. So when I say soul, I'm talking about something that even that is probably not entirely sat because it's the divine spark within that is sat. Because the karmic merit and debit of our soul is changing all the time and eventually won't be there because eventually we'll be one with the infinite through the divine spark that's already in us, which is already one with everything. I know. And so when we're talking about the divine that's within our soul, we're talking about something that does not belong to us. It belongs to everything. Every living being is connected in that oneness. You can't have my divine and your divine You can have my soul and your soul, but you can't have my divine and your divine because there's only one, correct? So when we get in touch with that divine inside, that's the sat. That is the formless, unchangeableness of the divine itself. That's sat. And then the other friend that Ananda travels with is chit. And one of the reasons I really love studying the Eastern Spiritual philosophies is because of the richness of the language in which they're written, which largely is Sanskrit. Not entirely, but largely they have a Sanskrit root. And in Sanskrit, there are, I don't know, 200 words for different kinds of love or 200 words for different kinds of little parts of how your mind operates. Thought is what we have in English (laughs) or maybe belief. But what else have we got? Thoughts, beliefs, expectations, we've got them. Musings, ideas. Anyway, we've got a few words, haven't we? But in Sanskrit, hundreds of words to describe different parts of how consciousness is within us. And um, they don't have many words for stuff like bed. In fact, I don't think in India they had much at all of an idea about beds. And in fact, some of my travels... (laughs) 
some of my travels to the more remote parts of India, I still don't think they've got much of an idea about beds. Sometimes table and bed are confused all the time. But be that as it may. <laughs> Chit is um, a high part of consciousness. And if we want to get specific about what Chit is, go over to page 12 because there's a lovely definition. I got this off... Um, This is just off the internet, this bit, but I thought it was so good I didn't particularly want to change it. It's from um, the same people that did this film, basically, the oneness people. Do you know the oneness people? Have a look at the oneness people. They're nice people. All right, chit. The pure consciousness of the universe that's infinite, omnipresent manifesting power of the universe. So we definitely want to cosy up to chit, don't you think? because it's the, it's the omnipresent manifesting power of the universe. Out of this is evolved everything that we can call dynamic energy or force. It can manifest in any form or shape. It's the consciousness manifesting as motion, gravitation, or magnetism. It's also manifesting as the actions of the body as thought force. Thought force. So who's had times in your life where you're just manifesting stuff, left, right and centre? Yes, Paul. <laughs> Very good example. <laughs> I think we're going to have to call you chit. <laughs> but you have those times, don't you, that just start, you're in the flow and stuff just starts to manifest. And at that time, we're comfortably resting in our chit. There's a mantra that is called the Mula Mantra, and mula means root. And just like we have a mula dhara chakra at the base of the spine, which means the root chakra, goes into the earth like a big root. So we have a mula mantra, and different traditions have different mula mantras. So the Hari Krishnas, it's Hari Krishna, Hari Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hari Hari. That's their mula mantra. But in this uh, particular tradition of Satchitananda, the mula mantra is on page 11. And we're going to study this mantra because it's a huge key to bliss and we're here to learn keys to bliss. So let's have a look at the, um, just on page 11, the, um, the different words here, just in brief. So om, om is, always starts any mantra. Om is the precursor to any mantra and that started in the Upanishad period at the end of the Vedas Everyone just put Om in front of everything all the time. And many, many books were written about the splendor of Om back in the day. And Upanishad means I heard this at the feet of my guru. So it was an oral tradition of people trying to make sense of what the Vedas were saying because the Vedas were a bit obscure. They were written in that way to protect the sacred secrets of the universe, which are written in the Vedas. So Om. And then we've done Satchit and Ananda. And then the other words in this mantra that we're going to be learning, the next word is parabrahma. And para always means absolute infinite. There is nothing higher than para. Greatest would be an example of the meaning of para. So whenever we put para in front of anything, we're talking about the greatest. So here we have parabrahma. And brahma is the part of the infinite that creates stuff. And so Parabrahma is the supreme creator. Let's go down to the next para in this, which is Paramatma. 
And so that is the divine spark. The Atma is within us as our divine spark that is shining through our soul. The next word is Purushottama. Purushottama. Uh, so that is the supreme incarnated in human form to help guide mankind. And Purushottama can be permanent or transient. It can be a coming and going thing or it can be a permanent thing. So, for instance, um, I've had the good fortune in my life to meet at least three beings in whom Purushottama is fully installed and on the inner plane I commune with others. So an example of such a being would have been Vivekananda. Have you heard of Vivekananda? He was the monk who took Vedantic wisdom to the World Parliament of Religions at its first outing when the first World Parliament was held in Chicago back in the late 1800s. And he was actually not invited. He kind of gatecrashed, which I just love that bit that he just did that. But his guru told him to. Yeah, he told him to. And so that's what he did. He went and gatecrashed and he was the star of the show. He, he just spoke so eloquently because the God force was just speaking through him about how all religion is one. He was the only speaker to say that. All of the others were trying to say why their way was right. But he was just talking about the oneness. He just kept talking about the oneness. We should all be loving each other. It's the oneness. He was not born with Purushottama. In fact, he was an angry young man and used to be quite cheeky and rude when he'd turn up to the Guru's um, Ramakrishna's Sangha in Calcutta. And eventually Ramakrishna knew who he was. He was a great sage who'd come to earth to help humanity and recognised him but didn't tell him that for some time. And eventually, um, with the blessings of his guru, he ended up coming into divine self-realization and the maya fell away and he was completely one with sat all the time, all the time. So it is possible in the human evolution of consciousness that you can be born not in Purushottama and you can become Purushottama. Then there's people like me and other gurus in the world who visit Purushottama but then come back into human consciousness. So that's what I'm like. So there are times when I'm in Purushottama, you probably know because the energy is fanging and everybody's falling over and going into bliss and blah, blah, blah. And then there's time when I'm just me, I'm going to Woolies, I'm doing my shopping, you know, <laughs> trying to decide what kind of apples I'm going to buy, whether I should buy those ice blocks or not, usually the answer is yes, <laughs> all of that sort of thing. So anyway, that's Purushottama. And then Sri Bhagavati. So Bhagavati and Bhagavate appear in this mantra. One is feminine and one is masculine. So the, the suffix at the end denotes the gender. So otherwise they're the same. Sri means, well, Sri is actually one of the names of Mother Lakshmi. So Lakshmi is about auspiciousness the beautification of ourselves in our life that brings abundance, that as we find our beauty, the whole world seems to see our beauty and want to shower things upon us, beautiful things, and life becomes glorious. So Shri is a term of uh, respect as well. If, if you say Shri, Shri Parvati, that would mean respected poverty. So Sri Bhagavati is Divine Mother, the Shakti of creation, and Sri Bhagavate is the oneness as the inner light or father principle. It's the unchanging light 
that is always the light. doesn't matter what you do with the light, the light itself is still the light. Okay? Making sense? And then between Sri Bhagavati and Sri Bhagavate, we have a word called Samita. Samita. And that is talking about the masculine and feminine merging. So it's together within. One is in the other. You cannot separate them. Like you could not possibly talk about fire without talking about the light of a fire and the power the fire has to burn you. So in this system, the power that a fire has to burn you is the feminine, it's the shakti, and the light of the fire is the masculine. But you can't have one without the other. And inside all of us is both the masculine and the feminine, and you can't have a human without both of those qualities being installed. Right. And then namaha means I honour you, I respect you, I think you're cool, you're awesome, blah blah any of those sorts of words, or I bow to you, whatever you like. Making sense? Did I miss any words? Okay, so there's some just gorgeous explanations on the next page, and I just want you to listen to what these words say. So maybe if you put your papers down and just receive what this person wrote about it, it's just so beautiful. And just listen in your heart to what Ananda is in accordance with, oh, I may have edited this slightly, but anyway, listen anyway. So Ananda is bliss, love, and friendship nature of the universe, that the universe is your friend. When you experience either the supreme energy in this creation, which is Sat, and become one with the existence or experience the aspect of pure consciousness, Chit, you enter into a state of divine bliss and eternal happiness, Ananda. This is the primordial characteristic of our universe, which is the greatest and most profound state of ecstasy that you can ever experience when you relate with your higher consciousness. So just drink that in, reminding yourself of what you already know, that this is the truth. This is who you are and this is not separate from you. Let's read it again and just let yourself drink in the words. Ananda, bliss, love and friendship, the nature of the universe as bliss, love and friendship. When you experience the supreme energy in this creation, the sat, or the pure consciousness of this creation, the chit, you enter into a state of divine bliss and eternal happiness, ananda. This is the primordial characteristic of our universe, which is the greatest and most profound state of ecstasy that you can ever experience when you relate with your higher consciousness. And then just drink that into your heart chakra and say, I give permission for this. I give permission to remember this. To rediscover this within my heart. And to open to this amount of ananda. Breathe into your heart chakra in the middle of the chest and then expanding. Ah, Nanda. Ah, Nanda.
and Parabrahma, let's listen. The Supreme Being in the absolute aspect beyond space and time, the essence of the universe, the Supreme Creator. And breathing that in, the Paramatma, the supreme inner energy imminent in every creature and in all beings, living and non-living. It's the indweller or the antaryamin who resides formless or in any form desired. And antaryamin is related to the inner self, the inner controller, the inner guidance that exists within us and manifests in an intuitive way. Antariman is also able to recall for us a teacher or a guru that resides within and then manifests in our life. It gives us a higher context or knowledge guidance. We summon this and Antariaman comes to help us. In some cases, the Antariaman is asked to be manifested in order to resolve all kinds of issues and to perform miracles for the person who so asks. Breathing in this. And so I just say, I call on the Antariaman. Breathing in. And expanding. Paramatma is the force that can come to you whenever you want and wherever you want to guide and help you. And then just coming back into your body, wriggle your fingers. Thanks for joining me on this episode of Soul Talk. I hope the podcast has served you in creating a happier and more abundant life. If you've enjoyed the podcast, don't forget to subscribe rate and leave a review on your favorite podcast app. If you'd like to connect with me, head over to shaktidurga.com. Daddy,